It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Die Hard. Hey, movie maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm here with my brother, Dusty. What is going on, Dust? Man, doing a throwback to Die Hard is just fantastic. How, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, thanks. And I took the family yesterday. You know, like I said last week, Fathom Events was putting on the show in theaters again. And when we grew up, I think our mom probably rented this movie. I don't recall seeing it in theaters. So it was really awesome just being in there on the big screen, hearing people laugh at certain parts you find funny and hearing gasps and hearing cheers and stuff. It, it was a fun experience. I wish now I didn't go. I, it was actually in the area and I could have gone, but I didn't go. I really you know, wish I would have, but I just didn't, couldn't find the time to actually do it. But watching the movie over again, now that we're older, now that we you know, have our life experiences, there were so many things that I was thinking, man, as a kid, I didn't catch that. Like you know, uh, just anything in general, like why in the world was guy, that guy, uh, the, the main long haired bad guy, um, Carl? Carl, there you go, Carl. You know, he's literally hanging from his neck for an hours, hours and hours. And then he gets down and he's able to shoot. Like, I was like, that's, uh, as a kid, I'm like, that's, that probably happened. But <laughs> as an old, older person, I'm like, uh, that didn't look real. Or that, that doesn't seem plausible. Yep. Yep. Well, there's, so we'll get to that in a little bit, um, you know, talking about the movie and stuff. But I had a real quick little activity for you right here. All right. So, this movie, I think it was the first time Alan Rickman was ever on the big screen. And and since then, we've seen him in a ton of different movies. Galaxy Quest, all the Harry Potters, um, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, right? He often plays a bad guy, but sometimes a good guy like in Galaxy Quest. But here are my three favorite Alan Rickman villains. And I want you to do win-play show with them. I'll give you my win-play show as well. So here there are. The first villain is Hans Gruber from Die Hard. The second villain is the Sheriff of Nottingham from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And the third villain, Professor Severus Snape from the Harry Potter series. Now I know he ends up being a good guy in the end, but during the entire series up until the end, you kind of feel he's a bad guy. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen all the Harry Potters yet. But so those are the three dust. Win, play, show. Hans Gruber, Snape, and the Sheriff of Nottingham. Man, so Snape is absolutely last. Um, he did a good. He's a fantastic actor. Um, definitely, I am fully engrossed in everything that he does. Um, and so I would have to put Snape last. He's show um, mostly because he his character isn't the biggest part. Like there's so many other moving parts in Harry Potter, but mm-hmm. we talk about Die Hard. And Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, when you have both of those, his character, he's like the second person, like, you know, the, the main character, and then he is the second person. So yeah. when I'm looking at both of those, it is hard to figure out the first and second. So the win in place, because when you have, <laughs> I mean, I didn't realize, or I didn't remember, like when I was thinking last night, when I was watching it, Die Hard, he is one of the best villains. Like his, the way he played it, his villain was one of the best villains of all time. But then I, as you just mentioned, the Prince of Thieves, he did an amazing job in, uh, uh, in Robin Hood. He did an amazing job. So man, what would I put? What would I put between the two? Um, 
uh, like you hated him. I wouldn't say hated him in uh, both of them. Like in the in Die Hard, I really enjoyed watching him. But in Prince of Thieves, or you know, uh, it's a Prince of Thieves. It's what it was, Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that movie, like you, you like despised him because he was such an evil person. Like you know, cut his heart out with a spoon because <laughs> it'll hurt. It's dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, I it'll hurt have, you, twit. You twit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say his best job or I would pay his first place, even though I just literally thought last night Die Hard was his best and, and the, one of the best characters for evil. I think he did a better job in Robin Hood. So that, Robin Hood's my first, you know, so win place would be um, Die Hard and show would be Harry Potter. Ah, okay. I like that. I like your reasoning. I like your rationale right there. Uh, for me, Hans Gruber is definitely win. I just love him as a villain. And we'll talk more about him as we talk about Die Hard. But that was just the first time I've seen Alan Rickman. Every time I see him in any other movie, I flash back to his role as Hans Gruber in Die Hard. So he's my win. My place is the Sheriff of Nottingham uh, for the same reasons that you said. You love to hate him and he you just uh, despise him by the end of the movie or maybe even in the first 15 minutes, you know, you despise him. Um, and then Professor Snape, I think for the exact same reasons because he's kind of a third or fourth tier character in the series. He does a great job, but that would be the show. I agree with you there on that point. He is a fantastic actor. I mean, I thoroughly love... I mean, the reason why I like... I like Hans Gruber so much is he was a methodical bad guy. He's, he's one that, you know, when there's a a crazy bad guy that is just crazy, then it's, it's scary, but not as scary as somebody who's methodical, who has actually well thought out. Like he's rationalizing all these bad things that he's doing and he's completely fine with it rather than just a crazy person, just crazy. You just know he's going to be crazy, but somebody who is actually thinking it through, how can I kill you the best or whatever it might be? Not necessarily saying that Hans Gruber did that, but just hit the the evil, not evil. Um, being a bad guy, being an exceptional thief, like that was such a cool line as for a cool character. Without a doubt, it was, and I was super bummed out in 2016 when he ended up passing away. I mean, yeah. he was just 69 years old, way too young to be passing away. Um, and we we could have easily had 10 or 15, maybe even 20 more years of his acting up on screen as good guys, bad guys, whatever. It, it's a bummer that he had to pass away. You know, yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. Oh, and hey, I'm sure you heard, but Stan Lee passed away. 95 years old. Can you believe mm-hmm. that? That is yeah, man. I- that is amazing to live mm-hmm. that long. He was such... Now, I don't know. I pause that quick thought. Um, I don't know how much he did in the storytelling for the current Marvel movies, the MCU. I'm not sure how much he was. It doesn't seem like he had a whole lot of input. Yeah, he's he was- always listed as a producer, but yeah, you're right. Who knows how much input he had? But you can tell that he is such a great storyteller with all the comics, all the different characters. Super awesome, creative guy. And it's definitely a huge bummer that he passed away. It is, without a doubt. He always seems so full of energy, man. You hear him on interviews or or whatever, even in his little cameos on the various Marvel movies. Always just fun to watch, fun to listen to. I met him once at a comic book convention when he came to Fresno. Um, Might have been 14 or 15 years old, I don't remember. And I got a book signed by him. And, and yesterday when my boys heard the news, Mason said, Oh no, now I'm never going to be able to get his signature. And I said, <laughs> Hold on, Mason. And I whipped out the book and showed him. It was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. That's a, yeah, your dad has, has street cred. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I met the man, the legend, Stan Lee. Man, you are right. And I also, to add on top of that, I thought he always came across as he wasn't a 
completely arrogant jerk. Like he was, he just seemed like a nice older guy that was, you know, a good storyteller, but he just seemed like a normal person that was um, just enjoyable to be around. And so I thoroughly, you know, he could have, I, I don't know, he could have been the complete opposite of that, but the way he came across was that he was a good person. Yeah, 100% seemed to be. You know, uh, I don't know what you're going to choose for the movie next week, but the one, but the movie following that, I might have to choose my favorite Alan Rickman, uh, not favorite Alan Rickman movie, but one of my favorite movies with him in it, Galaxy Quest. We might have to watch that and learn from it in about two weeks. We'll see, though. We'll you see. You know what? I would actually be fine with that, and the reason why is I've never watched the full thing of Galaxy Quest. Oh, like, I, I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> oh, you are in for a treat. It is such a good movie. And it's going to bring back so many memories of you and I and our mom watching Star Trek together. Yep. Because it just pulls from... It's 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 more than a spoof. You know, I mean, it's not just a straight up spoof. They take from Star Trek, but just make it so much better. I love Galaxy Quest. And, and yeah, you're going to enjoy it. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. So um, now... Thinking about Die Hard, how did it feel going to the movie theaters? Like you said, we I don't believe we went um, when we were younger, but going to the movie theaters and going through this you know older movie, but all the thoughts coming back through your head. Do you, tell us a little bit about going to the movie theater, watching it, and all the old everything from our history coming up. Like, what did you think about? Oh, I freaking loved it, man. It was so much fun. I mean, every time I go to the movies, I, I've always, you and I grew up going to the movies. We've always enjoyed it. Um, it took a while for my kids to get into it. We had to take them to a few movies, but now they love it. Every time we go to a movie, I, I, I you know, going to a movie by myself is one thing because, you know, I do enjoy the movie. Like when we saw Bad Times at the El Royale, yeah, it was good, but movie experiences or theater experiences are always better when you have your family with you or your friends with you, people that you can laugh and talk about it afterwards. And so that's what was great about going to Die Hard yesterday. It was an awesome movie that you and I grew up loving. My wife loves it as well, so she enjoyed it. The boys, it was their first time seeing it. And the interesting thing is, uh, this movie came out in 1988. So I was 11 and you were nine. My boys right now, we took them yesterday, 11 and nine as well. So they yeah. are the exact same age that you and I were when we saw it. And growing up watching this, I didn't realize it was Christmassy. Oh, you see, you hear it, but you're so interested in the bad guys doing this, that, and the other. But yes, this is a Christmas movie, and I would consider it a Christmas movie. 100%. I mean, it's the best Christmas movie of all time. You know, non, non-children's non Christmas movie, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm right there with it. you. 100% Christmas. And so I think it was a good time, you know, being in November. I mean, maybe December would have been slightly better for this to be back in theaters, but I'm still down with it. I love the Christmas season. Yep. 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 What did you think about Bruce Willis? I mean, I don't remember him being a big actor until after, man, obviously I was young. I was nine years old, but until after Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard is what brought him to, well, he was in Moonlighting, uh, not Moonlighting? Yeah, Moonlighting, yeah, the television was. show. Um, it was Sybil Shepard might have been his co-star? So he was kind of like a, a leading role, um, romance kind of, I don't think it was action, but he played a police detective. And uh, the filmmakers for this movie thought he would be perfect. They hired him because some other people, like, uh, for example, Sylvester Stallone and others, turned the role down. They went to Bruce Willis and hired him, and bam, this movie skyrocketed him, just shot him up the charts uh, to become a crazy action, just movie star in general. What did you think about the newer diehards? Obviously, Die Hard 2 is, I love Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2 is great. Die Hard with a Vengeance was awesome. You got Samuel L. in there. Those, those three were great. Now, the newer ones, 
um, you know, uh, Live Free or Die Hard. I can't remember the other ones, but the newer ones. What'd you think about Bruce Willis's character, John McClane, from those th- first three to these newer ones? Um, he's still the exact same guy, basically, in all of those movies. And the quality of the movies and the storytelling went down with each subsequent sequel. Part five was worse than four. Four was worse than three. But I think I, I've liked him the whole time. He's been a really good actor. He could still do some action stuff. I mean, he did very recently. He did the remake of uh, the whole Charles Bronson classic Death Wish. And he was really good in that. So I think he could still hold his own action wise. But the story in those later sequels, not nearly as good. Yeah, the story was, wasn't was good at all. The character about John McClane, the difference between 1, 2, and 3, and then the other ones, you know, the ones that have been recently come out, like Live Free, Die Hard, all this, the character seems different. Maybe it could be that he's, you know, jaded and, and just uh, recluse and all that sort of stuff. But the way Bruce Willis plays him, like he literally doesn't talk. Like he has like four lines in every movie. Whereas in Die Hard 1, 2, and 3, he had plenty of lines. These other ones, like he just looks at people and that's it. And so I just didn't like that storytelling in the newer ones. But now let's get back to Die Hard. Hold on real quick before we go on. I think in his older age, and I've heard stories about him as an actor on the set, if he doesn't care about the movie, he's basically phoning it phoning it in, and he's a pain in the ass of whoever the director and the producers are. So maybe on parts four and five, maybe he was tired of it, but it was such a good payday, or maybe contractually he's obligated to do it, so he's doing the bare minimum in those movies maybe. Now, it very well could be, and it could could or could not be, or it could be just the way the story's written. I just see a yeah. noticeable difference between 1, 2, and 3 and the, the newer ones. Totally. So let's get back to Die Hard. Now, all those bad guys in a group, I think there was, what, like, you know, a, a dozen or 15 or so, coming in and taking over Nakatomi Plaza. Obviously, everybody knows Nakatomi. If you've seen the Die Hard movie, you, if you hear Nakatomi, you know exactly it's Die Hard because mm-hmm. it's said over and over and over again, super awesome buildings, super fancy high-tech stuff. Now, in watching it, it got me back to thinking of the good old days when there were cassette tapes and CDs were brand new and you could smoke in a building and you could carry a gun on a plane. Like There's so many laws now and so many rules that you can't do any of the, you know, the, the crazy stuff that they did back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But what did you think about reminiscing it back in the 80s and seeing the things that they did back then? Anytime listen to music from the 80s or see movies from the 80s it just brings me back to yesteryear and it does make me think back for sure a lot of reminiscing going on as you're watching this kind of movie yeah and what i really appreciated about this movie is it wasn't a normal shoot 'em up movie like it, they had ebb and flow in the storyline and there was a lot of thought process in each one of the characters, um, especially John McClane and Hans Gruber. I agree with you there. I really like Hans, his his whole plan and how he was trying to, you know, trick the FBI and trick the L- LA police to think that he's actually terrorists when they're actually stealing. I like his plan in the end, how they were going to blow up the building and all the hostages to get away. I thought because the terrorist, not the terrorist, because the bad guy, Hans, had such a good plan, I think it really helps to make the movie just more of a solid movie when you can understand what the bad guy's doing you're totally down with it more yeah and the way that they introduced characters not just the bad guys but even argyle argyle mm-hmm. was in the, sh- the show for what a total of like five minutes yeah. but you can te- definitely feel like he's a part of it so they're they're having so many different things moving in the story that it made it so well done and yeah you're right it was really really fun seeing hans and 
you have John McClane going at it back and forth and then where he tries to trick him, all that good stuff. Really well done storyline. Now, what did you think about Carl and his brother? I can't remember what Carl's brother's name. Gosh darn it, I don't remember. Okay, what did you think about their characters? And and obviously you have one that's more crazy and sullen and just a killer. The other one seems more smart and you know methodical and things like that. What did you think about their characters? I really liked them both. I liked every single bad guy in the movie. I wouldn't trade any of them for anybody. I thought they did a great job. Carl's character, like he's badass. You don't want to get on Carl's bad side because you know he's going to kill you. His his brother with the glasses, whatever his name was, Franco? Nah, whatever. I don't want to guess at his name. Um, he seems more of the kind of guy that uh, he doesn't seem as cutthroat and as tough as his older, my guess, is older brother Carl. Yeah. Now, what I really loved Carl's rifle that he had. Mm-hmm. It was, do you know what type of rifle it is? Was it a bullpup? It was a bullpup. You're absolutely right. If I remember correctly, it's I believe it's a Steyr Aug. Now, a Steyr Aug is one of the more, I think it was one of the first bullpups. I could be completely wrong, but I think it was one of the, the, the first ones that came out. <laughs> And it's it shoots really really well. It's totally awesome to look at. Normally they have you know AR-15s or something like that, but this is the first movie that I, being young, seeing a Steyr Aug, something that's futuristic like this. I was like, dude, that gun is awesome. Yeah, totally looked cool. Um, except for the point when he was walking across the roof, pointing it straight up into the air. Um, come on, man, there's a better way. If you know where your enemy is, kind of keep that gun level and pointed at him. You know. And it happened with also John McClane. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it, so if knowing well, what you I talked do, about it before, it's just kind of a movie thing that the actors yes. do. Maybe they're given guidance, but I think it looks cool. Like when he's slowly walking across it the looks rooftop cool. with the gun up, it looks awesome. It does look really, really cool. But if you're, he's trying to be sneaky, but you mm-hmm. don't stand straight up. If you're sneaking. You're, st- you're hunched, hunched down. You're also yeah. pointing the rifle in a certain direction, but it looks super awesome. You didn't know anything. Hey, he looks like he's going to take him out. Like it looks yeah. really, really good. But mm-hmm. then you also had John McClane where he's running around pointing the gun straight down. Why would you even care to do that point it straight up so that you know obviously keep your trigger finger off the trigger but point it up and straight out so that if there's a bad guy right in front of you, you go boom 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 um yeah but i really love the styrog i thought that was great thing to bring into it now did you recognize another one of the i'll make it a little more um specific so the two guys that were taking the rockets and getting it set up Mm -hmm. did you recognize one of them as being in another movie because i sure did Absolutely. The first time I saw him in Ghostbusters 2, I flashed back to Die Hard. Yeah, absolutely. Good Mm -hmm. job. Good pickup. Yeah, he's got one of those faces that it it just sticks with you. You're never going to forget his face, I don't think. Like old, mean looking and and whatever it is about him. He he looks like a bad guy. He's like like perfect casting for a bad guy. It also does help that in Ghostbusters 2... The screen is filled with his face, you know, and there's, oh, it, there's yes, you're right. <laughs> they're spraying the goop on his face, and all, so that does help. But you're right; he has a face that is like a bulldog. It's like it's so scrunched in. It's so I don't know. Everything about it is just fun. That's a good call, <laughs> bulldog. Hey, you know, um, do you remember the movie called Action Jackson? Sure do. I watched it a few days ago, um, just just for kicks. And uh, in that movie, 
it's produced by the same guy, Joel Silver and other producers and stuff. Uh, but Action Jackson shares a ton of the same actors as well as stunt actors and stuff in the two movies. So it was cool. Just as a coincidence, watching Action da- Jackson a few days before Die Hard, I see a lot of the same characters in both movies, man. And a lot of the actors in this, or the stunt actors and supporting actors, they're, you could see them in movies all throughout the 80s as stunt guys and, and nameless bad guys, you know? Yeah, I... Man, it's been at least 15, maybe 20 years since I've seen Action Jackson. So that might be a fun one to go back and just watch because I really, uh, what was this, the, the the black guy, what's his character, what's his name? Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, very, very fun actor. I mean, obviously loved him in Predator, terrific in Predator. Rocky, awesome in Rocky. You know, he's such a great actor. And so that'd be fun to go watch that again. But yeah, seeing a whole different take. Hey, what did you think about the plot point of him not having tennis shoes. I thought, or red shoes in general, I thought that was awesome. I thought that was super sweet, man. That was a really good idea. You could, that's that's a really big, I mean, like kind of a pun, an Achilles heel for your hero running around without shoes uh, because you could stub your toe in the middle of a gunfight and <laughs> react to that. Then the guy shoots you when you, you know, when your attention's diverted because you stubbed your toe, like I said. Or you could be running through some bushes and catch your hand on a rose bush and go, ow, <laughs> did you see yeah. that part? In the movie? No, I didn't. What? Okay, so you have the, when they're actually going to uh, come in, the police are coming in, you have the SWAT guys running. One of the one of the black guys is running, and he go, brushes up against a rose bush and gets caught and goes, ow. Like, you can literally see him go, ow. And he does that. And I was like, That's I didn't so even silly. catch that. But yeah, man, that, that little thing can give your opponent a split second advantage on you, and bam, bullet to the head. Yeah, and to think... Of that, that would not, that's not normally something you would think of. Like, what can he be without? Like, can he be running around without pants? Yeah, but shoes, you don't really think that. Like, let's not have him have any shoes. I thought that was great. And did you know, and it says it at the beginning of the movie, that this was based off of a book? I heard or I saw that as well, but I, I never realized that until this watching. I think I'm going to check out the book. I might, yeah, I might have to check out the book because you and I both know, um, and most people do, that books are better than the movies like the, your imagination mm-hmm. and the way they can explain it is so much better usually um there are some exceptions but it would be great to go back and watch or sorry to to, to relive die hard through a different lens you're right a, a, a new way to experience an old classic you know absolutely hey what did you think about i've i've always loved this actor william atherton um do you know him by name no i don't um it's true your honor this man has no dick <laughs> So he he's he's the guy who played the reporter Richard Thornburg in this movie, and of course he was the the EPA guy or whatever in Ghostbusters. Yep. He was in Real Genius. He was their professor. Um, he was in Die Hard Part Two on the plane with Bonnie Bedelia again. You know, I mean, uh, I really like William Atherton, and watching him in this role, I despise his character of Richard Thornburg, but William Atherton plays him so well. He plays every character really well. It might be that as who he is, but he just comes across like he's that guy that is so uh, self-absorbed and so mm-hmm. like he always comes across that way. That man, you just hate him. Like he was almost another bad guy in in these movies, especially being about Ghostbusters. Yeah, being a bad guy, and he plays it really, really well. I have no idea who and how he is in person, but as far as an actor, terrific. Because you are just you just absolutely just despise him. Uh, without a doubt, you do. I've heard people talk about him in interviews, and they say he is a really good guy. He just has that attitude about him. Not not an attitude, but a look, and he could play it really well, playing those despicable characters, like you said. Yeah, he does. He does a great, great job. I and 
going back to um, who was the gentleman that played the the cop, uh, the pal, Reginald Bell Johnson. Yeah, he's great, and he always—I wouldn't say always—majority of the time when he's acting, he's playing a police officer. Mo- which most is really, of the time, really cool. I've seen him as a judge too. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he was in uh, what TV show was it? Family Matters. There you go, Family, and a police officer in that. And I remember watching a interview with him, asking him why he usually plays police officers, and he says the reason why is because he really respects police officers, how much they do for the community and how well they take care of people, protect people, risk their lives, that he just wanted to respect them as best he could. And this is one way that he could do it. Uh, yeah, he's great in his role. He Well, he was always great in everything I've ever seen him in. And like I said at the beginning, I had a big smile on his, my face when I saw him in the convenience store buying Twinkies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I realized, hey, Twinkies are of a great part of a well-balanced diet. You know, <laughs> exactly. We should be eating those. I know. I should be feeding them to my kids for every breakfast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 100%. Hey, one other thing. Have you heard of this before? Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. No, I haven't. That's how they censored the line for Die Hard on television. Mr. Falcon, why? Oh, because it, it kind of makes his mouth kind of go. Well, you can't route. say okay. Mother Elf effer, so you gotta <laughs> you gotta put something in there, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking, why Falcon? Like, why Mr. Falcon? But it was because yeah. it makes it goes with his lips. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. You, so, what do you mean? Did you, how did you recognize that? Um, uh, I was did just you thinking about it? it the other day with this movie. There are so many bad words in the movie, right? Not oh, only yeah. death and blood and stuff, but there are bad words. And I remember growing up and, you know, we would always see the big movie six months, a year down the road. It would pop up on NBC or ABC or something, right? And you'd watch it again. And they would always have to figure out a way to censor these words, but they wouldn't bleep, you know, they wouldn't make a sound effect. They would make the character say something different. So I just looked it up online and that's how... Uh, for television, that's how they censored it. Yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon. Nice. And that's probably the most iconic line in the whole movie, you know? Or, hey, why don't you come out to LA? We'll get together, have a few laughs. That's another iconic one. Too. Those are the main two ones that I, whenever I think of Die Hard, I think of those two. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Hey, my favorite scene, uh, I, I, I had to think about this because my son asked me, Dad, what was your favorite scene of the movie? We talked about different scenes, but I really think the final confrontation between John McClane and Hans Gruber is my favorite because I love how he had the gun strapped to his back with those final two bullets. He pulls the gun, shoots the first dude in the head, and then, or maybe he shot Hans Gruber first Hans in the, in the chest first, yes. Yeah, and then shot the other dude in the head, falling out the window, and I loved the look, always the slow motion look on Hans Gruber's face as he fell and he realized his death was imminent. It was just, it's such a classic scene, awesome visual. That's my favorite scene of the movie. I completely agree, as well as the way that they shot it with the lighting and with like, it it felt super awesome where you had uh, Bruce Willis or John McClane coming in in the um, silhouette you know, lights behind him. He's all bloody. You can see he's bloody, but at the same time, you can. Um, you know, it's it's a silhouette. The lights behind him. The way that the camera angles. The way that they shot it was phenomenal, in my opinion. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed it. But yeah, when he's when you see Hans Gruber falling and his eyes like oh, you, you could. He did a great job. It's like oh, I'm literally gonna die right now. Even though I got just got shot in the chest, I'm falling and I'm gonna die. Yeah. What did Do you, you know? Think? How they got that look on Hans's face? No. They were filming him. They they hooked um, 
they hooked Alan Rickman up to a machine to drop him 70 feet. They said, okay. The director said, okay, we're going to drop you on three. One, two, drop. Wow. <laughs> and so he was shocked. He was waiting for three. And so that was the take that they used in the movie too, that look on his face because he does look like he's shocked. He knows he's going to die. Well, how did you, like a documentary or so? How'd you hear that? In the... um in the uh, director's commentary. Well, I saw it in a YouTube video, but the YouTube video said that the director mentioned it in the commentary. So if you get the Die Hard on Blu-ray or whatever, watch the commentary version. He'll talk about it. That's super awesome. I love that. Being a director, getting what they want out of their actors yeah. and making it very, very real. I, I think that's very, very smart. If you if you can find a director that actually does that and doesn't just say, okay, you're an actor. I trust you. You're going to do it. But actively does things that really makes it, draws even more of an, uh, not necessarily emotion, but the acting ability because it's not really acting. You're actually, you're in actively falling I loved it. That's a great, great, great thing. Just like when we talked about, uh, I can't remember when it was, which episode it was, but I talked about how with um, Alfred Hitchcock, you know, he poured cold water oh, yeah. in the mm-hmm. psycho scene where she's in the shower. Like it was cold water. So it got her to scream really, really loud. And that was, a you know, obviously a blood curdling scream. So being able to do that is very, very cool. Without a doubt it is. Yep. What did you think about that scene with the C4 and the chair and the computer monitor going down the elevator? What did you think about that scene? Yeah, that is something that I would never have done if I were him because you're kind of assuming that the bad guys got off. So that elevator shaft that he's throwing it down, he's assuming the bad guys got off where that elevator is. What if it was one of the other shafts that C4 drops all the way down to the first floor, blows it up, and then the building falls. I mean, you're taking a huge risk with that play. I think the visual was awesome, seeing the floor blow up, all the smoke coming out of the building, but the fire, the fire rushing up towards him in the elevator shaft. But I think it was a stupid play. Very, very stupid. And how would he know? And here's another thing that came to my mind. Do you remember the TV show Mythbusters? Yeah. Yeah, most people know it's MythBusters. They take myths and they, especially even movies, they they either prove them to be true or false. And just like when John McClane takes the the rifle and he shoots out the door so he can run through the door, like is on the the ceiling or sorry, the ceiling. He's there on the roof and he shoots out the door lock so he can bust through the door. Well, MythBusters prove that that's not possible. Like you literally cannot. I mean within reason but you cannot do that like it's 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 a it's totally uh debunked that's it's mm. false now i would like to see mythbusters do the c4 <laughs> the c4 I know. drop you're right find an abandoned building and get some c4 oh man that would be a super awesome myth to bust like would this actually work i honestly think it would not work because c4 needs an electric charge if i remember correctly i mean i'm probably completely wrong it probably could just take you know some shock but it's not like dynamite i literally know it's not like dynamite it needs something else like dynamite if you just move it wrong i mean if anything if lost has taught me anything if you just move (laughs) it wrong It'll blow me up. So that's you know, right. It's nitroglycerin. Right. They sweat dynamite sweats nitroglycerin too. I mean, for all I know, that could be true. Exactly. So what I'm looking at is, man, that'd be cool to see if that could actually work. Where you throw a C4, you know, plug those charges into it, throw the C4 down there, and boom. Oh, that would be cool. Hey, you have connections, right? Can't you get those guys on the phone? That's a good idea. Let me try that. Yeah, get them on the <laughs> blower, man. Say, let's do this diehard debunking. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. So before we get to lessons learned, any um, uh, any last things about the movie? 
No, it, it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed going back and watching it all over again. I couldn't uh, draw my eyes away from it. Like I was just so engrossed in the movie. Ah, uh, me too. I absolutely loved it. So here's my first lesson. Don't shoot yourself in the foot by trying to hurt somebody's feelings to make yourself feel better. And so John McClane, as soon as he saw Holly, uh, you know, he was, I guess, washing up or whatever. He made a bad move when he said, hey, guess you didn't miss my name. And that's just, you're trying to patch things up. Don't start a war with a stupid comment like that. That is a great, great point. I completely agree with that. I mean, you got to pick your battles and that's yes. not, that's not a good time. Like you literally just met five minutes ago. That's mm-hmm. not a good time. She seems nice and happy. There's a big party going on. I mean, just suck it up and and save your hurt feelings for later, man. Yeah. My first lesson is the easiest lesson. I want to say one of the, because there's plenty of lessons to learn. And actually, they draw out these lessons. But everybody's going to get this one. You, and I've tried this many, many times. It didn't really work as well as I it seemed like in the movie. But I've done it. I've, I've flown all over the place. And I've tried to make fists with my toes in the carpet. Now, apparently that's supposed to make you feel better than a you know a hot shower and a cup of coffee. I've tried it. I haven't actually felt that. But at the same time, maybe I'm not doing it right. But they say make fists with your toes or there's some way to feel better after a long airplane ride. Mm-hmm. Wait, so where's the lesson learned? That that doesn't work? Make fists with your toes. No, but you said that doesn't work for you. But I learned that when I was a kid. I'm just saying when I first watched it, that was a lesson that I learned. And I've tried it many times. And so I've literally had to say, you know what? I don't think it works. I've debunked that. I, I've, yeah, you've I debunked it. Yeah, you've I've, debunked that life lesson right there. I don't need Mythbusters for that. That's, That's right. a myth. It's awesome. All right, cool beans. Well, here's my here's my second lesson. When you're approaching your target, keep your gun up and at the ready to fire. And we already discussed it. Carl looked really cool walking across the roof. But, oh, and anyway, you're trying to be sneaky, right? If your opponent is down below, the higher you are, the earlier they can see you. So if you're holding that gun up, he's going to see that barrel long before your head comes into play. But it sure looks super cool. He it does says, look cool, hey, John McClane sees him walking. Oh, he looks cool. That's like right. That. Yeah, you're going to stun him with your brilliance. And then that gives you the time to lower the gun and shoot. <laughs> All right, my number two is make sure you kill the guy when you think he's dead. Like when you actually killed him and he's hanging from his neck, make sure you actually know he's dead by verifying. Put a couple bullets in him or something like that. Even though he's hanging, apparently he doesn't actually die and he comes out carrying his rifle and he's going to try to kill you. Yeah, well, speaking of that, I just, I couldn't understand how the MEs or whoever it was that bagged up Carl's body also threw a rifle in the bag with him. So I was thinking that. So I obviously remember this part of the movie and I was watching. I don't think he was bagged as dead. I think he had a blanket on him. Was that a body bag? I don't think it was a body bag. It was a body bag. Well, I choose to believe it was a body bag. It did not seem like he was just like carried out. I mean, if he was a bad guy, he would have cops right next to him and 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 he wouldn't be within arm's reach of a gun. He would have been handcuffed already if he was still alive as a bad guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. So th- th- all that, all that with that whole scenario, just so many the things that defy logic from him not being dead, being hanged, and then either if he wasn't a body bag, why did they put the rifle in there yeah. in the body bag? Yeah. How did he get out of the body bag? And even if it weren't, it wasn't a body bag. He actually got down. He found his rifle, snuck out, put a blanket over himself, snuck out, and tried to kill him. I mean, that guy is that vindictive that he would risk 
trying to kill the bad guy or you know, his his bad guy or you know John McClane. He would risk that rather than trying to get away and come back and kill him later. Uh, all that, all those thoughts. Now I'm older, go through my brain. But when I was a kid, I was like, oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 totally. It was it was a sweet scene. And plus, you get to see Al Powell, Sergeant Al Powell, pull his gun and take out a bad guy. Uh, you know, in the movie. Did you notice that his pistol? is not a 45 caliber but it sounds like a 45 caliber i didn't notice no i just saw him firing it and i just chose to believe my ears and eyes you know yeah yeah it it to me it sounded like a much more powerful round than it actually well, is well it was probably meant to sound like they probably pulled sound effects from a, a dirty harry movie you know it seemed like it it seemed like cuz they're firing so many other rifles and you know um automatic rifles and all that sort of stuff all throughout the movie. So you're hearing gunshots, but this one specific one at the very end, it's they make it really, really good. Yeah. Some of the fight scenes when they were punching, they went over the top with those punching noises. They were like cracks. Like if somebody took a bat to a head of lettuce, kind of a thing that or with the head of a lettuce with like a piece of wood behind it. That's they were just way too loud of punching sounds. So some of the sound effects I could, uh, maybe they could make changes there, but still overall super awesome movie, you know, even I, with I was, sound issues. Yeah. I was waiting for words to spontaneously come out of the air and show on screen like pow, bang, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> zap. Oh, you know, once again, I had to wear earplugs during the movie, man. I, I went uh, and got my ear tested my, my or my ears tested. And the lady told me that, mm, that uh, I cannot withstand the level of sound that other people my age can. So, like, I shouldn't have uh, pain in my ears like I am having, you know, uh, like a person with normal ears or whatever. So I'm definitely going to have to go to an ear, nose, and throat specialist now to have them take a look at me. Oh, bummer, man. I hope it goes well. Yeah, I hope so, too. I'll let you know. I'll keep you updated. But um, my final lesson is probably the one that, comes readily readily to mind the easiest one to learn from this movie and it's a quote from the movie as well one of the bad guys says next time you have the chance to kill someone don't hesitate and then <laughs> of course you know john mcclain says boom 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 kills him and says thanks for the I can't advice remember what he thanks, thanks for, for the, the advice. advice yeah that's right yeah man that's, that's you, lesson three it, you know it would actually seem like you're my brother you know sometimes mm-hmm. Because that's my exact number three was ah. when you have to chance to kill someone, don't hesitate. Thanks for the advice. Absolutely. When I'm ready to kill somebody, I'm not going to hesitate. I need, <laughs> I need without to a do doubt. It. Yeah. And this movie reiterated a prior lesson that you gave us before, and that's basically you don't have to get close when you're holding a gun, and everybody is guilty of that in this movie. Absolutely, everybody. Everybody was. And what I thought was great was, like I said, it wasn't a shoot 'em up. Even though I love Commando because it's just a, a turn off your brain, don't don't think of anything, but just it's killing people. It wasn't like that. Like he wasn't just shooting out in the air, you know, just, you know, closing his eyes and putting the gun out above, you know, a, a brick or something or a block or something and just shooting and hitting people. Um, it was, it was the, the killing of the bad guys was much more methodical. Like you had to go one at a time or two at a time or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. I appreciated that as well. I like that so, point right there. What did you give this movie rating? It's a hundred. A hundred? Easy. Man, I I'm right there, but I have to dock it two percent to ninety-eight <laughs> because of a couple of those like 
come on, you guys are adults writing this and you actually put those things in the movie. Like now that I'm catching it because I'm older, I'm catching these things like how in the world is Carl alive? You know, things like that. If it wasn't for a couple little instances like that, it'd be 100%. I think I'm just docking it because I want to because I get irritated at silly things. But um, yeah, so 98% for me. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I just, uh, I think the movie achieved all that the filmmakers and the actor wanted it to. I am thoroughly impressed by this movie. I love it every time I see it and it's endlessly rewatchable. So that's why it gets 100. I can overlook those little things, you know. Oh, I'm with you. I, I, as I was going through it, I thought, you know what? This is, I'm a, being a little, um, too critiquing, I guess if that's a, that's not the right word, but I'm critiquing a little too much, but Hey, oh, well, 90, 98% for me, really good stuff. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, my movie prop that I would love to own is I simply want the framed McLean family photo in Holly's office. Real? Oh, yep. The one that was, yeah. you know, she turned face down and then Hans Gruber picked up. That's the one I would want. That is an awesome, awesome idea. Good job. Mm-hmm. What about you? So I think you can guess which the one. Bull pup? The bull pup. The Steyr <laughs> Og. Absolutely. That's what I want. Yep, yep. Cool. I can say, oh, hey, did oh, you know that this was Carl's Steyr Og in Die Hard? Check this thing out. Watch me shoot it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. Watch me walk across my own roof, held straight, uh, pointed straight <laughs> up in the air, just like him. Yep. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Hey, and then my Monday morning quarterback, it's really simple. John McClane, pull the fire alarm, but then leave that floor immediately because he saw how, like, I guess high tech the whole security system is. They're going to know where the alarm was pulled. He's got to go one floor up or one floor down easy. Yeah, absolutely. He should have thought of that. My Monday morning quarterback is to put a bullet in the... Uh, in Hans's head from the elevator. Like when he's sitting inside the elevator, you see Hans, you know, he's the bad guy. You know, he's the main guy, bad guy. You've heard him. I would just reach my hand down or, you know, shoot him in the head. I'm you probably, would? I'm thinking I would, because once you kill the bad guy, the main bad guy, then you're done. Um, but you're not done. He still has 10 other henchmen that you don't know where they are or what they'll do. If you kill him, you have 30 hostages up there surrounded by bad guys with guns. I mean, you might make the situation worse. Did you learn anything from Bruce Willis in Fifth Element? You take care of the bad guy, the number one bad guy, and they all are, they can't fight. They're like Mangalores. They can't fight without having the leader. So you shoot I him know, in the head. I would, I would agree with you if we were dealing with Mangalores, but we're dealing with human beings. So uh, these guys are militarily trained, you know. Yeah. No. So I think absolutely he did a right job of getting inside the elevator. I thought that was super, super cool. Now the, you're, you're hundred percent right. There are a couple of thoughts that come to my mind when I think of the Monday morning quarterback and there's a plenty of them, but the biggest one for me is literally killing Carl. Even though you think he's, he's, you know, hanging, I'd put a couple bullets in him. That would be my, that would be my money, money quarterback. Yeah. I gotcha. Cool beans. So anything else before we get to our next movie next week? Anything else that we need to discuss? No, I covered as much of it as I wanted to. And it was great. I love the movie. Terrific movie. Oh, good, good. So I'm, I'm super glad I chose. I'm glad it came out in theaters again, you know, for this opportunity. So um, this was, of course, my choice. What is your choice for next week? Overlord. Now, I've been thinking about all the movies that are out and all the ones in the past. Overlord looks fun. It looks like it's going to be Night of the Living Dead meets like, uh, what was that one with Brad Pitt? Um, Inglorious Bastards? Inglorious Bastards meets something like that. So I'm like, hey, let's watch that one. So what do you think about Overlord? Uh, I'm down with it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've been wanting to see it. Now I have a really good reason to go watch it. Nice. Let's do it. Overlord.
cool beans. So now that you all know how we feel about Die Hard, we would love to hear your thoughts. And not just your thoughts on the movie, but also on any life lessons that you took away from it. So please visit the show notes page at watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 23. When you go there, you can leave a comment at the bottom of the page. We have all of our life lessons that we learned listed on the page for you. There's a link to the official trailer, a few select screenshots there, and there's a link to check out our Facebook page where you can comment as well. So thank you very much for lending us your ears this week, and we will return next week with... Overlord. Overlord.